0: How's everybody doing today? Good. It's I'm excited to be here with us, and it's already already been so good. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Jonathan, and I get to be a pastor here. This just you all are a great group of people. Excited to be part of it. We are uh, this summer in a series called Summer Lovin', talking all about the love of God, and how as we receive God's love, He empowers us to love others, and I, as I mentioned last week as we kicked this off, I am very well aware of the fact that I need this. Really, we might just be doing this series because I really need some help in, in loving better and excited to have a, a summer to really focus on that. And last week when we kicked it off, our big theme, you've got to know this to, to go anywhere, is that I can, only, I can only love others when I experience and know God's love myself. And so we have to receive God's love, and God wants us to know his favor, his approval, that he likes us, that he's for us, that he loves us. We receive that first, and as we receive that, then we, then we love others. So today we're going to talk about neighbors, uh, being, being a good neighbor. We're going to look at one of the most famous stories in all the Bible, the story of the Good Samaritan. Yeah, like a good neighbor, that's, that's what we want to be. Uh, I just want to jump right into this Jump right into this story. In in Luke chapter chapter 10, this is the story of uh, an encounter that Jesus had with somebody. So Luke chapter 10, verse verse 25. I'm just going to read through this. We'll kind of talk about it. And then we're going to look at some of the highlights um, after, after we read through it. And behold, a lawyer stood up. What's... I been a little feedback this morning. What's our response so far? A lawyer stands up. <laughs> boo, hiss. Yeah, right. Okay, that's the proper response. This is the, the bad guy in the story, basically. Alright? Your, your instinct was right. A lawyer stood up to put him to the test. To put Jesus to the test. Now, that's not usually a very good idea. There are a lot of stories in the Bible of people testing Jesus. And whenever you try to test Jesus you'd better be getting your number two pencil out because the test is going to be turned right back on you and you're going to be the one taking the test. And so that's what we're about to see unfold here. A lawyer stood up to put into the test saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And it's important that we realize there's kind of the way this has been filtered down through our Christian culture. When we hear the word eternal life, a lot of our minds immediately go to, oh, he's asking, what do I need to do to go to heaven when I die? And that wasn't really what, that wasn't what this guy was asking. That wasn't really what the mindset was in, in Hebrew culture. He's not just asking about, how do I go to heaven when I die? But how can I experience God's eternal, infinite, abundant life now, here and now in this life? And yes, it carries on for all of eternity so he's asking the kind of question that, that we all ask like man how can I have fullness of life what does is, what is an abundant life look like I, I've, I got this degree I studied I'm, I'm a lawyer but there's I'm, I'm, I'm missing something what do we really need to experience eternal life and so Jesus it, it goes on Jesus said to him verse 26 what is written in the law how do you read it and he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And so the, the lawyer, he was a religious uh, scribe probably, a religious lawyer studying God's law. He, he had learned. And it's interesting, when Jesus was asked this question at a different time, what's the, most important, what are the most, what's the most important commandment in the law, he quoted, he listed out these two commandments. Love God with everything you have, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so, the man, he had the right answer. But that is, that is where life is found. That is what God is after. And it's interesting, though, Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly, do this, and you will live. And I think, if you can get the, the essence of this, Jesus is saying, hey, you know the right answer, but it's not just what you know, it's what you do. So you got it up here, now live it out. Put it into practice. And that's where you're going to experience And so often, isn't that our problem? Like, we can give the right answer, but it's the living it that's, that's the problem. In verse 29, but he, the lawyer, Desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? All right, think about this. And I want you to think about it and tell your neighbor what you think the answer is. Why do you think this guy wanted to justify himself? Why did he want to justify himself? Any thoughts? I'll like sort of deep in thought here. Yeah, he was, yeah, wanted, wanted glory, wanted to look good. Yeah, Jehu? <laughs> he's a lawyer. That's what lawyers do, right? Is that what like they prove their, their case? Is that what you're saying? They, they make their case, yeah? Okay, good. Any other thoughts? There was somebody he didn't want to love, yeah. So, he's like, oh, I love your neighbor as yourself. Wait, I don't, maybe I'm not loving this guy. Maybe I need a case to, to prove I really shouldn't be loving this person because, you know, there's a certain reason I shouldn't be loving them. I, I like that answer. Good. Yeah, any other thoughts? Shame and pride. Shame and pride. Wow, I think that, that gets right to the heart of it pretty quick. Yeah, that's where we're often at. He felt ashamed of where he was at, but also pride, wanting to prove himself. Yeah, I think, you know, that's, all that's true. And that's what people do, right? That's what we do. But we don't have to be a lawyer to want to, to justify ourselves, to, to want to make ourselves feel good about ourselves. And I think it's also evident that when Jesus said, Do this and you will live, he felt a conviction that, oh, I, I don't think I am doing this. I don't think I am living this life of, of loving my neighbor as myself. So he asked, Who is my neighbor? And you think about that. He actually sort of, what was the command? The command is, Love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. The, the lawyer took that question about, which put the responsibility on him and the responsibility is on us. Hey, I need to love my neighbor as myself. And he put the responsibility on the neighbor, on the other person, right? Like, oh, well, who's my neighbor? Like, who's the person that I need to be loving? Who's the person that qualifies as the kind of person. And that's, man, that's just our human nature. We always try to take the responsibility off of ourselves, and look at the people around us. And uh, what are they doing? Who, who does this apply to with somebody else instead of putting it on ourselves. So Jesus, as he loves to do, answers with a story. And he's the master storyteller. And he's got this story ready to go. In, in verse 30, Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, who is, who is this man, who is this beat-up man a picture of? You now, I, I think it's really a picture of, it's a picture of all of us, at some point in our life, at least. It's a picture of all of us before we meet Christ. This is a picture of my life before I met Christ. Where robbers oftentimes in the Bible represent the devil or our spiritual enemies. And it's a picture of someone who's going through life and they are getting the snot beat out of them. By the enemy, by life, by circumstances. All of us start out in this situation. And even after we meet Christ, I don't know, but sometimes I feel like that guy. Sometimes I'm having a day where I think I'm that guy. All of us sometimes are are kind of resemble that. And, and all every day around us, there are people that are getting beat up by the enemy, that are beat up, oppressed, just, just getting, getting the tar beat out of them. And so that, that's, um, that, that's how the story starts out. The man gets beat up. And verse 31, now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, when he saw the beat up man, he passed by on the other side. Now, if you're familiar with the story, you kind of expected that. But the first time you read that, you're thinking, okay, here's the answer. There's a priest. It's a a man of God. Here's the beat-up man. Here's the, the man of God. He's walking along. He sees him. Most likely candidate to give a brother some help. But what does he do? He walks, he crosses the road to the other side, and keeps on going. Jesus keeps on talking. So likewise, a Levite, a Levite was also a religious leader. When he came to the place and saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Now why, here's the next question, why do you think those men didn't stop? Just shout out your answers. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a homeless guy. Like he's, you know, he's he's a sinful person or irresponsible. It probably had it coming to him. Okay. Yeah. How often do we have those thoughts towards towards people? Yeah. Good. Any other thoughts? They were busy. They were busy. Yeah. That's the first where my mind goes. They had stuff to do. They were on their way somewhere. They were busy. They had an agenda, and this was going to take them away from the stuff they needed. they, They needed to do. Yeah. Good. Perhaps the guy on the ground? Yeah, maybe they knew him. <laughs> yeah, maybe he wasn't a good neighbor. And like, hey, I, I don't really want to help that guy out. Yeah, those are, we don't, we don't know all the details, but um, it's easy to think, right? It's easy, we all can know we're often in that place of not wanting to stop to help the person who's, who's beat up. Verse 33, but a Samaritan, and we may lose the the weight of this, but the Samaritans and the Jews, they were neighbors, but they did not like each other. They kind of, probably the closest analogy I could think of today would be to, to Christians would be a Muslim. This is like saying, this is a Muslim walking by. This is someone like they have, they believe in God, but their belief, it's kind of half right, there's a lot mixed in there that we look down on that's not accurate, there's not just that, but there's enmity, there's, 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 these are enemies of one another. And you, and you think of a Samaritan, you, Jewish people would often wake up in the morning and thank God that they were not a Samaritan. You know, they looked down on them very much. They were considered dirty, unclean. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them, that was a form of money, a denarii would be like one day's wages. So this is quite a bit of money. He gave them to the innkeeper saying, Take care of him and whatever money you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? It's interesting, Jesus flipped that whole neighbor scenario back around. It wasn't like, hey, who's my neighbor? But who was a neighbor to that guy? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. So Jesus answers the question, what is a neighbor and I just I mean, isn't that just a great story I mean it grabs you if you think about it, it grabs your attention every time I want to look at three qualities of neighbors this is this is what God has called us to be in in loving people around us this is what he is looking for this is what really brings his love into the world the first thing is a neighbor is close who's I mean that's the obvious definition of neighbor right it's someone who, who lives close to you your next door neighbor um, but it's not just physical proximity, because the first two guys, the priest and the Levite, they, they were close to this guy, not as close as the Samaritan got, but they were in the general vicinity. And when I just, my wife Reagan and I, she's with the kids across the lobby, but we celebrated our 22nd anniversary two days ago, and so that was, you know, it's been a, it's been a great ride. But one thing, I haven't, I'm a slow learner, but I've been married for 22 years now, just about half my life, I've figured out. And sometimes I don't always remember this, but it's very possible for me to be close, but not close. Right? Women are all going, yeah. Like that's what that's what men are like. Um, you can be present, but not present, right? And <laughs> yeah, I stop poking your spouse or whatever <laughs> in the in the side there, but. That's, we're, it's, we're so good. I'm so good at being present, but not being present. And a neighbor is someone who's present, someone who's close, someone who's, who's there, who's up close and personal in your life right there. <laughs> so hopefully with not too bad a breath while they're doing that. It's like, you guys, if you've been watching the NBA Finals, there's that insurance commercial that shows, I don't you guys seen this, there's an the insurance agent who's a machine. And the couple comes in, they've got like, like, there are a couple versions of this. So they've got a newborn baby. He's like, congratulations on your new arrival. And they're like, oh, yeah, we've got a new baby, and we want to get a minivan now. And they're ready to talk, and he's just like, here's your policy. Sign it, and we will be done. And they're like, wait, we're looking for something more here. So often, like, we're like that. We're not engaged personally with the people around us. And it's even really, really possible for us to love humanity but not love the actual people that are close to us. Right? It's 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 easy to love humankind. Like oh, I love people. But then when we the people that we interact with, that's not quite so easy to love, right? <laughs> because they got issues. They got a lot of issues. They, got, they did stuff to me. And this and that, Like it, it's a lot harder to to love, to love people. But Jesus doesn't say, love the whole world. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. And another thing about neighbors, you don't really get a whole lot of choice a lot of times in who your neighbors are. You don't get a choice in who your family members are. You, there, there are people in your life that they are like, they're there. And, you know, they're, you wouldn't have picked them, but they're there. And that's, that's who our neighbor is. And so, that's what a neighbor is. Someone who loves, they get close to the people in their life. Even, I love how in this story, it's this, this cultural divide. It's a Samaritan loving a Jewish person. And I think, so often, that's what Christians have the worst reputation for. Is, oh, you're, um, you know, you're anti-this or that. But... The application for this is, man, it's, do we love people of, of different faiths? Do we love people of different cultural backgrounds? Do we love the LGBT community? Do we love immigrants? Do we, do we love the, the real people around us where it's not culturally, culturally acceptable? It's not the norm. But are we loving people around us that are, that are different and where it crosses something really, diff- really um, it's not normal. I... What I really appreciate about this guy is he not only got close, let me get close to Marcel again. Marcel, can you like lay on the floor? Is this, no, just joking. <laughs> you have to do that. But what he, it says he, he got up and he poured oil and wine in his wounds. And there's a whole nother level of closeness when you're getting close to people's wounds, right? Or the wounds are the, your scars from the past, your insecurities, the places you've been damaged the places you've been hurt like i it takes a level of trust and vulnerability to get to let someone get close to you when you're wounded and and it takes a level of relational grace and skill to to help someone in those places because we're all like like a dog with a paw in its thorn or a paw in its thorn you know what i mean a thorn in its paw you, you get close to you want to help you want to take it out but, man, there's a really good chance you're going to get bit because that's really tender. And so it's, it, it takes a skill and a grace to get close to somebody in the place where they're hurt. And the question is, for me, it's challenging. Okay, how am I the kind of person that in someone's place of, of insecurity, where they're hurt, where they're vulnerable, Am I the kind of person, if they're going to go to anybody, are they going to go to me? Are they going to, am I earning their trust that they're going to be willing to open up and let me get close to them in that place? Um, yeah, that's, a neighbor is that kind of person, that even though it's painful, you, you're able to get close to them in their place of, their, of hurt and, and woundedness. So and a neighbor, a neighbor is, is close. That makes sense? Any thoughts or questions about that? All right. Second thing we're going to talk about is a neighbor is compassionate. That's what it says in verse 33. It says, when the Samaritan saw him, he had compassion. That was what, that's why he stopped. Unlike the other guys, they didn't really have compassion. But his heart went out to this guy. He cared about him. He cared deeply. It goes on in verse 36 and 37. And Jesus asked, hey, which one of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The lawyer answered, the one who showed him mercy. And that was the essence of being a neighbor. That's the essence of, it it comes from a place in our hearts of do we care for the people around us? Um, You know, I, I think about this. Like I think about my neighborhood. And if I look at the houses around me, There there are there are people that have come back from military assignments where it's really messed them up. There are broken families. There are blended families. There are people struggling to raise their kids. There are kids struggling to figure out their identity in all sorts of ways. There are financial pressures. There are really intense stuff that goes on inside people's houses every day, just like it goes on inside our house every day. But I, how often am I really caring about those people around me? Man, it's so easy for me just to go through my life, and i got enough problems. But compassion is what sees, oh my goodness, man, people need God, people need help, people need solutions. And, oh, is there any way I could, I could bring God's grace? I love what Sagar said about, when we become a Christian, God's presence is with us, and we bring his life and grace to the world around us. But we have to have a compassion in order to do that. And so, man, that's, that's the heart, I really believe. you know, It's the essence of being a neighbor, is having a heart of compassion. I think about this, too. And this is important, that if you really have compassion about that guy on the road, you're going to do what the Samaritan did. You're going to help mend his wounds. You're going to get into a place of safety, a place of help. And, and also, real compassion, then, is, is going to be walk alongside him and maybe say, how, how can we help you not come into the situation again? You know, maybe you need a concealed carry license so that you're ready. Maybe you need to learn how to defend yourself from this stuff. Maybe you need to get some friends around you. Maybe you can, you know, that's, that's even another level of compassion is not, not only meeting with the immediate problem, but helping bring people up, because real compassion, God's compassion, is that every one of us starts out like that Samaritan man. But God wants to, the church is a place where people go, it's a hospital, and then it raises people up to go be doctors and nurses. Like that, and it takes the very people, you and I, that were beat up and wounded and, and messed up, that God wants to raise us up in such a way that then we can go bring that compassion and healing to people around us. And so, man, that's that's real compassion. So then finally, the last thing I want to talk about is a neighbor is close, a neighbor is compassionate, a neighbor is charitable. charitable. what does charitable mean? Well, it's interesting in the old King James Bible, they oftentimes translated the word love as charity. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, was the greatest of these is love, would be the greatest of these is charity. Charity is giving of yourself. It's, there's a cost involved. It's the essence of, of self sacrificial, unselfish love, of, of giving of yourself when it when it costs you something. And you know, in this story, it, it cost that Samaritan something. He had to fork over some hard earned money to pay for this guy. He had to he had to, he and then he said, and I love how he says, Hey, basically whatever it costs, here's money, hopefully this covers it. But if it doesn't, just ring up a tab, and whatever it costs, let me know, and i'll pay it i'll be good for it and if I have to work an extra shift or work longer i'll I'll get money to meet this need. It doesn't matter what the cost is, and you know really to to be a neighbor it's going to cost us something it's going to cost us something financially it's going to cost us something emotionally it's going to cost us something with our time i've a little while, a couple months ago, we have really good neighbors, and one of our neighbors in particular has just been amazing neighbors to us over the years. And a couple months ago, it, we were went over to their house to talk to them about something, and they they let us know, hey, you know, hesitant to say anything, but you've got this tree between our houses, and I don't know if you've noticed, but it's like. It's a maple tree, so maple trees are soft. They tend to break, branches can break off. And it's like growing over our house. And not only that, but it's been, it's leaning a little more every year. And we're kind of nervous about this tree. And, and they actually, several years ago, just on their own, they had like paid, paid a tree trimmer to cut back this tree over their house. And just, just graciously, even though it was our tree. And when I heard that, I was like, dang it. Man, I like that tree. And dealing with that tree is going to cost some money. And I but what so it came down to this. And actually we talked to a couple tree trimmers. The, the price we got for the for taking care of this tree was 2700 bucks. And it was like, okay. Here's this tree. If it was just me, I'd leave it. But what are we going to do? And it really came down to a question of how much do we value these neighbors? Like, what is what is this relationship worth? What are these people worth? And what's it worth to us? And so that's, man, if you love people, I won't tell you what we did, but <laughs> if you love people, you'll spend money for them. You know, that's, that's a good test of how much you care about people, is will, are you willing to, to spend money for the people around you? Are you willing to give of of what you've earned for others it it costs not just money but it costs your time it costs convenience i think that's probably the main reason that the priest and levite didn't stop because it is stinking inconvenient to be a good neighbor there's rarely a good time where you're like oh look my schedule just opened and i have a full day to be a good neighbor to you man that's so wonderful no, it's just, it's never like that. There's always stuff on our agenda. There's always, we're, I'm always feeling behind, always feeling like there's this to-do list that's out there. It's, it's never like you're going to get to that place and it's convenient. No, loving people is inconvenient. Yes, Cammie. <laughs> <laughs> I should have talked to you earlier. <laughs> that's a great idea. But it's, it's inconvenience. And that's love is measured by time that we're willing to give to the people around us. It, it takes time away from other interests, other pursuits, our agenda. Um, and that's, that's really a big price for most of us. And I think another part of this cost of the charity is it's giving ourselves emotionally. Right? Especially someone really in a place of need. like That's not just going to be like, hey, we have a conversation, I go on with my life. There's this emotional clutter involved. There's like, oh, man, now it just, it's on my mind, and I'm involved, and oh, I can't just go about my life. It's giving of ourselves emotionally, which is maybe probably even bigger than the cash or the inconvenience of our time. Um, to get, if we get close enough to help people, it gets emotionally messy for us too. Right? Isn't that true? Like there's, I wish there was a way around that. I wish I could you know if you have an answer maybe you can preach next week of how to be a good neighbor without getting emotionally messy that would that would be nice, but i I really don't think that that 's love involves man it's it 's the hurt feelings it's the difficulties it 's all the stuff that you got to deal with but that's that's part of part of being being a neighbor and that 's really what God calls us to and that 's what changes the world that 's what changes people 's lives when we 're like that so man i God, God calls us to that. And I really just know, and I'm in a room full of people that are really modeling this in such a powerful way. You know, I, I see this day in and day out of, of you all and others. I'm just so proud. of like, man, these people are, that I know, the Bluemont community and people I know, they are laying their lives down for other people and giving to their time, giving to their finances, giving to their emotions. It is, it is really, really a great thing. Um... I really believe God wants to encourage us, wherever we're at, to grow in this because there's always so much room to grow. You know, I come back to just our, our bottom line of talking about love is that we have to, to, to live this way, we have to know that we're loved by God. There's no way we're going to be able to give of ourselves to people that, that may hurt us, may not reciprocate, it may not work out every time. But that comes from knowing, wait, God, that's what you did towards me. I was your enemy. You came for me. You reached out to me. You died on the cross for me. You gave your all for me when I was your enemy. And you love me. And, and knowing the love of God, knowing his favor and approval. like that's, Without that, all of this is just religion, just human effort. But when we know, God, yeah, you're for me. You're with me. You love me. Then this is the overflow. Of that, And the second thing to know this, to to live this out, it takes faith. It takes faith to know the principles in Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper, and the one who waters others, or refreshes others, will be refreshed. There are spiritual laws that come into effect that are different than natural laws. The natural law says that you give of yourself, you get tired. You give of yourself, you get drained. You give of yourself, you get broke. You, we have limited resources, and whatever we give, we lose. But in God's kingdom, there's a whole nother higher level of principles that come into effect. And when we give out of a heart of love to God and out of faith towards Him, saying, God, you've given so much to me, I'm going to love others. I know that as I do this, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how my day is going to work now that my agenda just got, just got all thrown off. Or I don't know how I'm going to pay these bills or meet these costs when I'm given financially to this but God, your kingdom works differently and if I trust you and give it myself to others, you're going to give me what I need to, and there's a faith that comes that that changes everything when we have that, and so man, I don't know what God's saying to you in specifics, but I know there's, there's, there's an application for all of us, and that as we do this, we'll live we'll experience the, the abundant life that God has for us um, we're going to worship God with one more song I want to pray for us but worship team you can go ahead and come on up does anyone have any thoughts or questions about this alright well let's, let's pray and let's just ask God to help us to live this out Father, thank you that your love is so abundant. Thank you that you are that, that good Samaritan. Lord, trust you to increase our love, and capa- increase our capacity to love and to care for others. Lord, I pray even that our eyes would be open to the people around us in a new way, that we would have compassion. Our hearts, would, we, would, we, would, we would feel what you feel for people. We'd be motivated in a greater way to love. God, we, we pray that in Manhattan would experience your love in new ways through our lives. People around us would experience your love. God, as we do that, we trust you to, to, to give us everything we need and to lead us into your abundant life. Lord, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Very nice.